Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Kyle's Thoughts. Today, I'm joined with Nicole Moss, co-founder at Moss Consulting Services, and also my aunt. Uh, Nicole is a successful entrepreneur out in Austin, Texas, and has kind of built her own company off of her years of experience working in HR over there. And so today, we're going to chat a little bit about entrepreneurship, life, uh, and everything else that's kind of going around us, and we'll just see where it goes from there. So for everybody who doesn't know you, Nicole, please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. I am Nicole Moss. I'm the co-founder of a company called Moss Consultant um, out here in Austin, Texas. And we help um, companies that have like 200 employees with their needs. And then we're also recruiters. So we um, we like to call it strategic team building, but we help build teams and then maintain them. Nice. Very nice. And how I long mean, have you been doing that for? Uh, well, I've been in HR for like almost 15 years. Um and um, yeah, so I've been in HR for almost 15 years and have been managing people for a really long time, yeah, 15 years. Very nice. And so what kind of, I guess, like started at that initial push of when you decided like, you know, from going away from being someone else's employee handling HR to like wanting to do it kind of your own way or, or as your own boss? Yeah, so <clears throat> it was kind of interesting. I was just a really bad employee, to be to be honest. Um, okay. <laughs> and, and, most um, most entrepreneurs will tell you that they'll just be like, you know, I, I I figured out a better way to do things, or I really like being told what to do, um, and or I didn't like working normal eight to five hours, and I just you know working a normal eight to five for someone else for me, um, and I realized that about five years ago, and I was working in a commercial real estate group um, at the time of someone who was the president of entrepreneurs organization here in Austin. And so he was very entrepreneurial minded and all about kind of like breaking out of the form of what the normal is. And so um, I kind of had a push uh, from him and, you know, he was like, Nicole, it's great. I like working with you, but like, you, you really need to go start your own thing. And at that time we were only doing recruiting. And if I was going to be really honest with myself, that's, that's really where, um, where my joy is. I, I love recruiting. Um, but we, we spun off onto our, our totally on our own. And it was, uh, February of 2020. Um, my husband and I went on a, we call them yes trips. We'll, we'll save up and plan this really awesome you know, long vacation. And we just say, yes, you know, we do whatever we want to do. We really unwind. Um, so we did that in February of 2020. I, I went to ground school to learn how to jump out of airplanes, um, and Steve was way into to doing drones. Um, and so we just had this really cool trip and, and came back to Austin um, right as things with the pandemic and coronavirus were starting to creep into the news and into our daily lives. And um, about a month later, um, we were we got a call saying that all of our clients needed to stop recruiting. Everyone was scared. Um, and so at that point, I really had to be um, an entrepreneur and get creative and figure out how to make money. Um, based on a brand new model uh, that, that we really had not planned because no one was recruiting. So that's when we spun up our fractional HR uh, vertical. And I called all my recruiting clients and I was like, look, you're going to, you need to focus on keeping your business alive through this, you know, and um, the people aspect is going to take a lot of time. Let me handle that for you. So I managed a lot of um, terminations and layoffs and unemployment benefit paperwork um, in Texas. It's, it's not a simple process. Um, and, and, you know, we, we got to the point where things stabilized and I helped onboard their people back on and, and maintain their team function. And it just was natural to keep me, um, 
keep me on their team as, as a fractional HR consultant to, to manage their people. And since then it's been, it's been wild. We've, we've grown exponentially and now it's, it's my everyday. And so when you like kind of transitioned, I guess, to that fractional HR perspective or, or vertical, mm-hmm. how did you really like position yourself to them to handle that? Cause before that you said you'd mostly just been doing recruiting, right? Yeah. Well, I was doing recruiting because I liked it. Like okay. I just, I enjoy it. Like I can shoot the shit with anyone all day and that's, sure. you know, recruiting is really fun. Like, and it's competitive and it's, it's, a, there's a sales aspect to it. And I really like that. Um, it must run in our blood, Kyle, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that, you know, it, it, I was doing recruiting because I, because I wanted to, um, I had experience in operations and HR from, you know, 15 years of, well, I guess at that point it was 12 years of, of just, being an employee and working at, you know, jobs. Um, and I saw a need in the market. It was, it was unique. It was, you know, a situation with COVID and just kind of the ramp up to COVID that no one had ever really experienced before. And, you know, just like me, I, I kind of put myself in in the shoes of our clients and they were scared too. You know, I mean, their business was everything stopped. And um, as an entrepreneur, you know, you still have people to pay and you still have health benefits to maintain and, um, and you still have your widget or your, your, you know, your thing that you have to do. Um, and they didn't, they didn't have time to worry about their people. And so I kind of stepped back into a natural role of helping to manage, you know, the rank and file of these companies and it proved to be pretty fruitful. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it's, I'm sure they were really appreciative that, you know, you were there someone they had been working with already who could kind of handle that for them. Um, yeah. you know, you talk a lot about kind of entrepreneurship and, kind of, you know, liking what it, what it means to be an entrepreneur. Like what is an entrepreneur to you? Like when you think of the, you know, stereotypical entrepreneur, what, what is it that really, I guess, inspired you to want to pursue that? Um, you know, I, I'm going to answer this like a true entrepreneur and do it outside <laughs> of the norm. Um, I love the creativity of entrepreneurship. Like I love, um, I love being able to look at problems and look at situations that come up in, in a different way and, and solve differently. Um, you know, there, there's some people will say, I, I like creating jobs and, and that's great. I, I do too. But my favorite thing, and I think the main thing that when you look at entrepreneurs um, who are successful is, you know, there, there's a level of humility and calmness and um, strategy that comes with being really creative and really um, driven to solve problems in a unique way. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Have you had any experience, I guess, with kind of a rise in young entrepreneurs who maybe are a little misguided in what it means to run your own business? Um, I say that because I see a lot of stuff on like the internet, on like TikTok or Instagram or what have you, where it's kind of this like hustle culture, right? Where everybody's trying to make everything a business and they're trying to drop ship and they're trying to, you know, do digital advertising or social media marketing and all these different things all at once. Um mm-hmm. I guess like what advice would you give to someone who's like trying to get started in their own thing? Uh, should they, you know, just kind of pursue everything all at once or what, what would you recommend there? Um, there's so many ways to answer that question. I mean, I I'll repeat uh, some advice that was given to me way back when this, when my company was just like a, a, a thought and a concept. And I talked to um, an IT managed service provider, you know, for IT services um, who had, you know, super smart guy. I'd run his business in a really great way. I'd worked with him for many years. And he said, you know, I was telling him about all these ideas of like, 
I can run their office management. I can run their HR. I can run their, their people. I can, I can hire their people and all these ideas. And he was like, Nicole, slow down. He's like, start with one thing and do it so exceptionally well that no one else in the market can touch you. Um, and no one else in the market can touch your business. No one else in the market can touch your service. He's like, just do one thing really, really well. Um, and he, you know, his suggestion based on what I was telling him, he was like, go be the best receptionist trainer in Austin. And to me, that sounded really boring. Like I was like, (laughs) I'm like, you know, I'm talking to a guy that's running like a very profitable, successful business and had, you know, overcome a lot of challenges and super smart guy. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's, that's dumb advice. Like I'm going to go jump all in and and I think that uh, I think that's pretty natural for people who want to start their own thing is is to to dive in and solve all the problems at once. So I guess you know my advice would would be to really do what he said. It would it would have saved me a lot of headaches. Is to to start small, you know, really understand a need. I think that like like when you refer to like TikTok and mm-hmm. all of these like you know there's we're flooded with information, we're flooded with opinions by people all day long, every single day, and it's almost like it's like, it's so much, you don't know where like actual information is coming from. And, you know, all these, like you mentioned digital advertising agencies and all of these, like these like fast money deals, like money's never fast, you know, um, it takes a long time and it takes a lot of strategy to, to beef up a business, to like start earning capital in a way that like can support your household and then can support your, your way of life. And, and I think that, um, I love to see a hustle culture. I think it's really cool. Um, as an elder millennial myself, uh, we're not, you know, a lot of us are not big time hustlers. Um, and so it's really interesting to see, you know, these kids that are, that are excited to start their own, their own businesses and their own journeys. They just have to be prepared to fail. Um, because you know, they will, there's so many failures. Like I fail every day, you know, at something. Um, and, and it's like a learning opportunity. So if you're going to start your own business and really get into it, you know, I, I would suggest reading called track you know, Whitman, um, I'm sorry, is by, yeah, Traction by Gino Wickman. And it is the easiest way I think to follow, to start a business. It's great. It's, it's kind of, uh, renowned, um, for being a very driven, uh, process driven way to start your business plan, to start your business. And so that would be the number one thing I would tell anyone who is even thinking about starting a business is to read Traction by Gino Wickman. To kind of play, I guess, devil's advocate on the flip side of this coin with kind of hustle culture and stuff. You know, a lot of people would say that this is kind of a rise of the failures of the system as a whole of what we've been kind of seeing in our economy for a while now. And that, you know, as greed and and kind of companies continue to take more and more and give it to the top rather than pushing it kind of down below to the workers or kind of those who are really you know contributing on the day-to-day to the organizations that people are trying to you know gig economy their way out of poverty and that this is more indicative of kind of a systemic issue that should be addressed rather than just kind of well you know keep working take another job start another business keep doing it because you know i think as you know not everyone's going to succeed, right? Even though you might have like all the drive in the world and you're really, really hardworking, it's just some of those folks just aren't going to make it. And that's just kind of how it's going to be. Do you have any thoughts on kind of that greater aspect of, I guess, the working economy right now that we're kind of living through? Yeah. And I realized almost instantly that I, I don't like that. There was such a divide from the leadership, like like CEO, CFO, COO, um, and I had this unique role within, within that company. I was an executive assistant to, um, the C, the C level guys. And so it, it was such a like weird 
place to be because I was, you know, rubbing shoulders with these like ultra rich, like, like very wealthy. And these guys were like generation, like generationally wealthy, like Mm. their mom and dad had money. They went to like, you know, Ivy league schools. They did whatever they wanted. Their kids were, you know, just, it was a completely different or or like down the hallway. I'm sorry. Of, um, of the people that were like doing the jobs of their business, you know, the people running their accounting and the people running their asset management. And it was just so strange and such a divide of, like the way that they communicated within their own groups and then to one another, I, I very quickly realized that corporate life was not for me. Um, and I started working then for a much smaller companies. Um, and I would say much smaller, like 50 people companies um, down to four people companies, you know, like, and I, what I appreciated with the entrepreneurial sense of working for these smaller, more local companies was that most of the employees were truly appreciated because they really held this very important part to the running of this business. Cause they didn't have an accounting team of 15, they had an accounting team of like maybe one, you know, and then mm-hmm. an assistant that helped like an administrative assistant that helped multiple departments. So, you know, most, most entrepreneur uh, ventures fail. They do. That's just, that's how it goes. Bummer, but that's just the truth of it. Um, I, I think though, and I can only speak to the market, the Austin, Texas market. And we are surrounded by small companies who are supporting local companies. And um, I think that that's why Austin's been in this unique bubble. Um, so that's kind of a long-winded way to answer the question of like, I, I don't think that what happens in the corporate world makes sense to the way that my brain works personally. Um, and that's why I really like the small smaller startup feel, even if they're not startups, just like the feel of like a 50 person, even like 200 person in which we work with, with uh, clients that have that many employees, there's just a more like, it it just feels like you're doing something that matters. Mm -hmm. And that when there's a decision to be made to either let someone go or add to the team, it's, it's taken so very seriously and it's valued so deeply that, you know, the employees feel like, and and they actually are like making a difference. No, that, that, that makes answer? a lot of sense. Kind of follow up to that. Is there kind of an upper limit then to where you see like, okay, the small business or this local business has now become kind of a, that corporate structure that you kind of don't enjoy. And you're like, okay, it's time for you to kind of leave us or, or kind of go out on your own. Is that a conversation you've had to have with anybody yet? Or is they really haven't gotten to that level yet? You know, I am so lucky to work with really cool people. I think that that when you're when you're not a publicly traded company, right? And you can have this kind of private field. Of course, like I work in a so there's certain of when you get to a certain amount of employees, your the, the laws and the expectations change dramatically. And so you, you have to adhere to those. But I think the thing that um is most important is the culture that the leadership brings. And if you're working with really cool leaders, um you know, I'll tell you a story. I was I was on a Zoom call earlier today with with the CEO of of a, a 235 person um, uh, and they, I'm sorry, it's 235 employees. They're a client of ours. And this guy knew he, we were going through the payroll process and he knew everyone's name. He knew something about each one of them. And if there was like, there's always issues with payroll, right. And he'd be like, Oh yeah, let me just give her a call. He just like would cell phone and, and call. Um, and I think yes, there's a certain point where people need to go public and go corporate and that's fine. But, and I think that in the level that I'm with at least, as long as the corporate leadership team, or I'm sorry, as long as the leadership team doesn't, then that, you know, does bleed into the 
company and, and managers and and then down into the employees. Gotcha. So it's kind of that, I guess, that initial like vibe or whatever that the CEO or the, or the leadership brings to the organization, not so much that the size of the organization is what causes the issue. Yeah. I mean, you can have a really small company with a really shitty owner and <laughs> it's still a really shitty company. You know what I mean? Like people don't yeah. work. Absolutely. So I think that it's all about like, what I've learned. And as I get older, true leader is from a place of like genuine humility, genuine others around you um and people feel that right away and i don't care if you have 200 employees or two employees you're you're the people that work it your feel it your clients feel it like and i think that those are those are the companies that succeed is when they're run by people who really really care not their business but about the people that you know are spending their every day working for them um of course there's an exchange of money and that's how that's how this works um, but you know, that those are the most equitable feeling companies to work with. And I guess kind of, uh, that's a good point that I want to highlight on there. Like what are some of the character traits or things that you notice in like businesses that succeed versus those that, that do fail? Saying it again and again, it's just humility and kindness. Um, obviously, you know, you, you take out, there has to be a level to be a level of like, you got to get shit done and you've got to mm-hmm. be able to, you've got to be able to move the, the the boat forward all the time, right? You're constantly moving things forward. You need to be profitable, all those things. You're not going to have a successful business without someone at the helm who's thinking that way or has a partner who is, you know, taking the other side of that. Um, but I think the true successes uh, come from people who are who are open to failure. They're always learning. Um, you know, they always want to learn. They're always reading a book. Everyone that I talk to who's done really well in business is like, oh yeah, what book are you reading? Um, you know, just constantly sharpening the sword. I think, you know, something that I'm working on is, is becoming a much more healthy person. Um, one of my clients the other day had been, he's like, Hey, your health is your wealth. And so, you know, there's a lot of character traits to success, but I think that when, you know, you, your love is outward and focus is outward and you're all about helping and the humility that comes along with that while making good mental and physical of your, and that's a lot to juggle, right? I mean, that's a, that's a lot. Um, but I think those are the types of people that do very, very well. And I don't think that any one person needs to be an expert in all of those areas at once. Um, you know, you collaborate, you have partners, you have mentors, um, that goes into it. I think it's just the main ones would be being humble and and always being willing to learn and accept, accept, you know, advice and criticism and, um, while maintaining a positive outlook. Yeah, that's, that's. I mean, really solid stuff there for sure. And I and guess when you talk about like those kind of like mentors and people that you've learned from and, you know, gained experience and guidance from how, how did you meet your, you know, mentors personally for you? And how would you recommend people go about kind of finding those people in their lives? I love this question. Um, I've been so incredibly fortunate to have a team of people who I consider mentors. I mean, I could, it's, it, it all because they've changed my life. Um, yeah. So, um, I, I think that a skill that we need to like teach to people is how to find and hold on to good mentors. And so I, I, my first mentor and I, it like, it is, it's, it truly is emotional because I, I, he's changed my life both personally and professionally. Um, I worked for this incredible human named Mike Joyce um, at a commercial real estate company here in Austin called Live Oak. It was his first time being a COO and it was his first time ever having an assistant. And he and I just meshed together 
I got to see him and I, I held on to that and I learned from him and, you know, he has been so supportive of me again, both personally and professionally that, um, I, I, I don't know that I would be the person and I certainly know my business would not be the business that it is without his insight and his input. Like I just a second ago, I mean, I don't, we're, we're not taught to look for and maintain these, these like mentor type people. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like a handful of mentors that I, I don't know what I would do without, to be honest. Like they, I, I can call these people anytime and just be like, when you work in HR, Kyle, um, I tell people all the time, I'm surprised that I'm still surprised. Like dealing with the human form is, it's insane. Okay. And so like almost every instance that comes up, that's like this wild off the, you know, off the rails thing. I'm like, holy shit, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't know. And so I've built this team of mentors that that are much smarter than me. They're they're further along in, in both their careers and, you know, their professional lives in, in their business than I am. And they, you know, I, I love to stump them, but I also love having someone that I can like lean on and we can process through, you know, solutions together. And um, I think that when you're looking for a mentor and, and everyone should have a mentor, um, you've got to find someone who like really gets you and who really, really like accepts who you are to your core, because you're going to call them when you're at at the bottom, right? Like you're going to call them when you like, you don't know what to do. You're, you're super stressed or, you know, maybe money's tight or maybe, you know, you're dealing with this professional situation and you really need to trust them and they need to get who you are so that when they're talking you through solutions, um, there it's meaningful, you know, um, I recently, last year, I volunteered um, with a group here in Austin called um, YWA, Young Women's Alliance. Um, And I volunteered to be a mentor. And it was the first time that I had ever, like, volunteered my time and took someone on as a mentee. And after doing that, I just have so much more respect and so much more, like, thank yous to give out to the people that have taken the time. Because it is not easy to mentor someone. And to do that just when it's natural and um, because that's just the person they are, it's kind of this like servitude attitude, you know, like you're constantly giving back, you're constantly helping others sharpen their sword. And so I just, I urge everyone listening to this podcast, whether it be for school or for life or for work or for whatever, to go and find someone who is smarter than you, who gets you who you trust and then they have to trust you too, to be honest with them as, as their mentee and harbor that relationship in a way that is meaningful and careful, um, surrounded by boundaries and, and they will change the way that your life moves forward. It sounds really interesting. Uh, I mean, a lot of that, I think some people could say like, could be applicable to, to like a, a partner, right? Like a, in a relationship sense, almost like this sense of mutual trust and understanding and kind of being there for you when you're at your lowest, um, and I think you're right. I, I don't, I don't know a lot of people who have kind of that close of a relationship with really any kind of person in their professional lives, at least no one that I know of and like my age range, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, so my husband is my business partner and I would say that he, he and I have a very nurturing and mentor like mentor like relationship with one another, but you know, we're also still learning. And I think that, you know, having a strong relationship with your partner, 
um, whether it be your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your spouse, whoever, like that's super important, but it's also very important to maintain, maintain a level of like autonomy and of, of, of your own self and your own people. So while I come with this kind of handful of incredible mentors, so does Steve. Right. And so when we're coming to an issue and we're trying to figure it out, we're trying to come to the solution we're trying to find these processes, Steve having his own source of mentors to kind of work through these things as well as me, we're, we're just doubling, you know, the amount of like knowledge that we have to go about anything. And, and it's, it's healthy, you know, as you get older and as you, you know, your, your relationship becomes more and more mature. And, and then if you're like Steve and I, and you jump off the cliff, and you run a business together all day, every day, um, you know, getting outside advice, um, I think it's critical because it's so easy to get so tunnel visioned. And especially when you're with your spouse who, you know, really does know you and loves you more than anyone on the planet. Um, it, it's so easy to kind of give in to, to the idiosyncrasies of your relationship um, in a working environment. And so I, I think that it's, you know, it's healthy to have a great relationship with your spouse, obviously, but to find people outside of that very close relationship. And that's why I, I, I emphasize using the word boundaries with mentors. Um, just because you, you can't you, their mom, you can't be their best friend. You can't be their, you know, their spouse. You know, you really need to have this very clear relationship of, you know, we can hang out and have a good time. That's fine. Or like, it's like, it's so important that those boundaries are like, when I call you because I'm in a rut, or if I call you because I'm um, having an issue, or if I call you because I just closed the business so and the closed the steel, you know, it, it needs to mean, it needs to stay professional and it needs to stay in this mentor-mentee relationship. And I think that that's how you build these relationships that last, like, I've been lucky to have like 10 years, years, you know, um, five years. And I don't think that anyone's too old to be a new mentor. Like you, the, you can always learn, you know, and someone always knows something more than you do. So um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. Was, no, was... no, not at all. I mean, I think that's kind of the, one of the key things that I've always told people, you know, um, not to sound, you know, arrogant myself, but it has come to a point where like, you know, I have some friends and colleagues and family who've kind of looked over and said, you know, how have you gotten to where you're at, at your age and kind of, you know, that whole process and like career growth and, and growing as a person. And I've always said that too, like always be learning. Like I never say that, like, I know it all, or I, I have all the answers because I don't. And I'll, and, you know, and I think that's something that I've learned too, from just like being around smarter people in my life is that some of the smartest people I know are always the ones to tell you that they don't know really anything right they they are the first ones to be humble about kind of their level of knowledge and say that there's so much more out there that you can still learn and learn from other people around you um and so i think that kind of heads on a bigger point too of like it is so important who you like surround yourself with in your life um you know that like age-old thing of like show me your five closest friends and i'll tell you what kind of person you'll be uh i don't, I don't think right. anything has been more true than that saying personally and i think that's a hard thing for a lot of people as they are you know growing from you know, college to young professionals in their careers is like knowing, like you said, like when to establish those boundaries and when it, maybe it's time to let go of some of those old friends and, and kind of learn from some new ones and kind of get some more people who can help you grow professionally and personally. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate your insights on that. And it sounds like they've been a you know great benefit to you. And I also think, you know, that probably helps with, I was going to ask you, how do you like, you know, stay objective or keep that objectivity in your business now that you're 
you know, with your partner and husband? I mean, how does, <laughs> how does that even like maintain itself? How do you not fall into the, you know, well, you said so, honey, so it's got to be right. Or, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> well, you know, me. Uh, I don't <laughs> like, oh, you said so, so that's, <laughs> that's how it goes. But um, before I answer that question, can I jump into like you talked about like who you surround yourself with? And I think it's just like super important to talk about like networking and who you're around. Yeah, Because um, I, I just don't want to miss the opportunity to just like really drive that home. So not on, you know, you'd ask like, who do you know when to keep around you and how do you know when to let friends, you know, maybe go yeah. or whatever. And, um, and then I, from my husband and he said this for years and he's like, Nicole, not everyone has to be your best friend. Um, you can have acquaintances, you can have friends, you can have best friends, but not everyone has to be your best friend. And um, I, you know, in my, in my mind, I, I would love for everyone on the planet to be my best. Friend. Um, that's just not realistic, but it's been a very humbling experience and you don't realize the level of people that you have around you, I tell you like you start introducing people to them. And so, you know, for our business, I'm very, very proud to say that a hundred percent of the business that we do is referral based. And um, you can't get a more warm lead than a referral. You know, you have a mutual connection that likes us a lot and they, they send us in and they say, Hey, you know, you need HR help call Nicole. Um, and as Steve, Steve came in, he started with uh, Moss Consulting on uh, January 2nd, his first official day. And, you know, through through this very short amount of time, I've, I've gotten to introduce him into this network that I have built and I'm so proud of and I'm so humbled by um, over the last 10 years in Austin. And, um, you know, even like later today, I'm I'm going out to uh, meet with a friend who I worked with at Oak 10 years ago, who he just quit Live Oak. So he's, he'd been at Live Oak for like 10, almost 11 years um, and sit and talk to this person about like, hey, what's next for you? Like, which way are you going to go? What, what are your plans? Who are, you know, what are you thinking about? And not losing touch with people who, even though they're not at a mentor mentee relationship with you, but like a good, strong network with really good people. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's critical in growing any kind of business. And then, you know, really they become your adult friends. Um, this kind of professional network, you end up at the same, you know, the same events, same weddings, same, you know, birthday party and a whole nine, like, it really does start to intermingle. And I can't stress enough how important it is to, to create and then maintain those relationships because it really will push you in your career and in your personal life in ways that I think that at, you know, in your twenties, you, I think you get a, an idea of it and I'm learning into my <laughs> mid thirties, uh, <laughs> um, that, uh, I, I'm realizing for the first time really how important relationships are um so yeah that's it's it's critical it's critical to surround yourself with people that you you want to you want people to see you around you know like if you if you have a group of friends that you're like oh man i'm kind of if you rent, run into someone who you really respect be like oh i you know i don't know if i wanted them to see me around these people then you know then it's time to you know reprioritize your time and, and your relationships yeah. And before we jump on to the next part of that question that I asked you, I'd, I'd like to kind of expand on that. I mean, there's yeah. a big issue right now. I know specifically in kind of my generation and, and even more specifically that my class where, you know, we popped out into the the big, bad adult world, if you will, out of college in the middle of COVID. Right. And so everything was shut down. Nobody was hiring. No jobs were really available. And we've kind of all a lot of us, I guess, have been in this remote work world now. Um, and making friends as an adult in your twenties is extremely difficult. 
And the thing that I find most fascinating about it is anybody you ask who's in their 20s about this will agree with you and say that it's very, very hard to make friends. They wish they had more friends and more connections, but yet no one seems to do anything about it. So mm -hmm. I, I, and I've tried like different things like, you know, Bumble BFF or, you know, some of these like Facebook groups or that kind of thing, but none of them have really like stuck or interest me in, in that kind of way that, you know, a genuine connection has kind of fostered before in my life from just kind of, you know, being at work together or school together, et cetera. And so now I'm kind of left in a weird position where it's like, okay, I work permanently remote. I do have, you know, work friends or whatever, but we only see each other probably once or twice a year on big, you know, company wide events. Um, how do you really expand your social circle when you kind of know no one and it seems like everyone's so isolated now? Yeah, that's tough. Uh, being friends is it's like, it's such a spectrum, right? Like, I don't know, hopscotch too. Cool. Now we're, we're best friends, right? Like we hug mm -hmm. and great. I think that as we get older, um, you start realizing what's important to you in your friendships. Right. And like, and you start to prioritize people's strengths and weaknesses and, and their core values and who they are as, uh, as people in their journey and whatever. And, and we all have different barometers for what when we're talking to people. And so it's a lot easier to be like, yeah, they were really nice, but we didn't really click for whatever reason. Maybe it's, maybe it's, a, you know, you're not consciously making a decision. You just, you know, when you click or when you vibe with someone or if there's chemistry or they're not, they're not, right. um, when you're making friends and, you know, so I think it's hard to, the older that you get, it, it is, you hear it all the time, right? It's really hard to make friends. It is. And it's hard to make really good friends. Working from home, I've been working from home since before the pandemic. And it really, like, you have got to, you have to get out, right? You have to get out and make interactions with people. I, I've not really been a social media user in a really long time. It wasn't a healthy thing for me. Um, I really just kind of stopped doing social media, I don't know, probably 12 years ago. And it, it's been super healthy, but it hindered the way that I kept in touch with people because I wasn't seeing pictures of my friends, kids, you know, on Facebook or on whatever. Um, and I wasn't like checking out what they were for that or, or, you know, it's just, it's kind of outside out. Uh, at least it is for me. And so I've had to make conscious efforts that when I, when we find friends, I say we, cause like a lot of the times, you know, being married or, or having a, a, a significant other, you're typically doing things together. And so that, that adds a little bit more of that. adds another like layer to it, right? Like your spouse mm -hmm. really needs to like people too. I, I love, this is going to sound weird, but like, I love meeting people in the wild. Like I love just like, I, I've got no issue. Um, I can, anyway. You know, those lead to chips most of the times not. I think that it's just, it's like, it's a numbers game. You know, I think you just need to keep, you need to get out there. You need to be in person, join like meetup groups, I think is great. It just, it is wildly important. And it, you bring up a good point that you and your age group, the world had like a rough time. Like, that was, that's hard. You know, you're, you're stuck inside. You're with your immediate group of people that you were with, if you were following or, or not or whatever yeah I, I would you know my advice would be to just keep meeting people and eventually someone's gonna come along that you really click with and you know I think too when we're younger it's more quantity of friends than it is quality um, and mm -hmm. as as I've gotten older it's been more quality of friend than it is quantity and like kind of losing vibe of like I gotta be in the cool group I've got you know the popular kids or and we're just, we're, we're like, we're structured to think that way from the time that we're so young, um, uh, that it does come with you. And 
Um, I think, you know, it's, it's establishing just like businesses establish their own core values. Like I think as, as a person, as an individual, you need to establish core values. And, you know, I really wouldn't hang out with someone that didn't seem to be coming from a place of, of integrity, or I, I don't like to be with people who really like boastful or like, you know, brag a lot or you know, I, the people that I flock to are, are humble leaders um, who also, you know, have owned businesses or are starting a business and that those liked, you know, liked interest or shared interests are, are super important. Yeah. It's a lot of good advice for sure. I think um, it's interesting that you say like, you gotta like, just keep putting yourself out there. Cause it just reminds me of like cold calling, right. Where it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. pick up the phone and keep dialing. Like if you do a hundred calls a day, eventually someone's going to answer you and you're going to have like a conversation. Um, you're going to have a best friend forever. That's right. And they're going to love you. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, um, but that's definitely, I, I guess, a, a good way of looking at it is like, I guess, don't get discouraged if like the first few times you go to try to hang out with somebody new, like don't go well, because uh, it is, like you said, a numbers game. I think you just have to keep tro- throwing yourself out there and seeing what if you vibe or don't. Yeah, and I think and that's a go ahead. Well, I was gonna say sometimes like, OK, so and if, you, if you're continually going out and you're like, you're consistently not making friends, like maybe then that's a really good time to like take a good look inside. Right. And Hey, what, what, am, what am I projecting out into the world that, that might be turning people away from me or like that might be souring these relationships. Um, there's, there's a whole program and I, I won't get into it, but it's, 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 uh, there's Abraham Hicks. You can look it up. It's, it's, it's a lot of reading, a lot of, a lot of, uh, YouTube, uh, videos and, uh, this lady Esther Hicks, she's amazing, but she basically, her teaching is, uh, overall is that what you put out into the world and like what you project is what you get back. And so if, you know, if you're going out and you're being, um, you know, kind of shy or a little pessimistic or, or, you know, irritated, like generally what you put out is what you get back. You're going to get that back. And if you go out being kind of open and excited about new people and um, open to new opportunities, you're, you're going to receive that back too. So I, I would just say that if, if anyone is consistently like having a hard time making friends, um, that maybe there's some self-work that needs to be done or, or some, you know, some look, look within and, um, just be really vulnerable with yourself and, and, you know, ask the hard questions to yourself of like, why, why isn't anyone, why didn't anyone want to hang out with me, you know, and, um, just be, just be humble and, and answer those questions and, you know. Do you think that comes from more of a place of like spirituality that like what you put out, you get back in, or is that more from like a psychology point of view of, you know, the whole idea of like, well, if you smile, you know, it'll make you feel better. People will feel better about you because they see that you're happy. Like, how do you think, how do you, I guess, interpret that? Um, I don't know. I guess it could go both ways. Like more practically, I think that if you smile at someone, they're going to smile back at you. So right. th- th- there's some psychology to that, but you know, doing things like smiling or waving or, you know, raising your eyebrows at someone is is one thing, but I think your true sense of self being projected out in a way that that is welcoming and warm and and inviting um i don't know that that's spiritual or like the psychology of anything i think that's just kind of it just is you know like i guess you mm. could call it spiritual um it's I, I mindset it's a, yeah it's like a mindset i think to me it's such a simple concept right like if right. Someone you and they're like they're being an asshole like you're you're gonna be an asshole back you know like <laughs> sure. gonna be like if someone comes up and they're like you know they bump you and they're like get out of my way you're not gonna be like oh my gosh i'm so sorry excuse me right you're gonna like most people or at least i would i'd be like hey what like 
yeah. don't be a jerk, you know? Um, I mean, I guess there's some spirituality to it. Um, I'm not a super spiritual person. Um, so I, I may not be, the but, um, it just is what it is, right? Like you're nice yeah. to people. They'll be nice to you. Like, or what's the saying? Like you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar or something mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I think it's just as simple as that. That's so interesting. Cause like, I, I don't consider myself a spiritual person at all either. Really? Like I just, um, not really religious, not really spiritual, really haven't like bought into this like new wave hype of like crystals and energies and like vibes and stuff you know what i mean like I, yeah. you laugh but it's true like it feels no, like that's like the, the rise like that everyone's like on right now and um so that's that's cool that you like both have like still that positive though attitude that i think a lot of those people try to embody but without having all of these like larger than life i guess ideals of like where they come from or why you should do it yeah. Um, but like, like, it's just like, like you said, like, it's a practical thing. Like it's a state of mind that you've seen, like has results that are beneficial. And so of course, you know, once you see something that's working for you, you know, keep doing it. Um, right. Yeah. Cool. It works. Cool. So speaking of that, um, so not spiritual at all, not religious. So, you know, how would, how do you, you know, what matters, I guess, to Nicole at the end of the day, besides, you know, the business, obviously, is there anything that kind of like guides your motivations or your ambitions? Um, integrity. Okay. It's all a game of integrity. You can tell when someone's in being genuine, you can tell when someone's, you know, not those things. And, um, and it doesn't feel good to be around them. And for, for me, for me personally, um, all of the, the people that I work with are highly driven by integrity, the decisions that they make, the people that they hire, um, the people, the person that I married is one of the most integrity driven people on the planet. It's one of my favorite things about him. Um, he's honest, he's humble, he's, he's full of integrity. Um, and then our friends, you know, the friends that, that I have personally that are very close and my mentors have a high level of integrity. Um, yeah, that's, what's important to me. It's interesting. I I feel like we might have a, a family DNA trait for that though. I think we have (laughs) a a unique ability to like smell bullshit when people are like really trying to, to sell you something. And I've always said that. I always said that it was funny. And I was like, you know, it kind of takes one to know one because I, I can play yeah. the game too. Yeah. But I'm like, don't don't bullshit a bullshitter. Don't do right. it. I, right. I can see you. Um, yeah, no. So I, that I, makes I, a lot of sense. It's fun. Well, I I forget the question that um I cut you off on to talk about networking and friends. Oh, yeah. I was asking you about like, how do you maintain objectivity in your relationship or oh. in your business now that both of you, you know, are married partners? Like. Is that when you look towards those like mentors and kind of outside network that you've created professionally to be like, hey, are we making a good decision here? Or are we just kind of both blinded by, well, you're a genius and I'm a genius and I love you. So this must work. <laughs> uh, no, that was never, we've never been blinded by either one <laughs> being geniuses. Um, <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's really, it's been, it's been a funny journey because, um, you know, when Steve and I had a plan, there was no like, Steve was very successful for over a decade. Um, and you know, in, in the sales position he was in, um, without his, without his very strong and very steady income, my business or art now our business never would have been able to happen. Right. We would have just had to both work. Um, Steve's very entrepreneurial. He, he was like, I don't know that I could ever work in a in a job that like, I knew what my salary was going to be. He's like, I, I, he loves commission work. He loves sales work. So he's going to be great. He's, he is a great recruiter, um, a great business owner, but 
you know, people laughed because we planned for like a year, you know, we're like, okay, what is this going to look like? What's the, you know, when, when that income stops, is, is our business strong enough to, to maintain our, our household and our, and our general lifestyle. Um, and, you know, we figured out that number and we figured out that timeline and we, we acted on it and everyone was like, y'all are going to, you know, when we were talking about it, we would be very excited and like super ramped up and like, you know, just like stoked, you know, we're gonna be working together and people would be like, Oh, that sounds terrible. We were, <laughs> we're like, yeah, you know, we're a little worried, but like, you know, we, anything that Steve and I have ever put our mind to, whether it was like building this house or, or, um, you know, buying a new car or having a certain number of dollars in our savings account or planning a vacation, like anything we've ever aligned on, we've absolutely crushed. And I'm not trying to brag. It's just, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of that in my relationship. Um, now, so that was the idea before, <laughs> before we started working together. Um, when we started working together, the first couple of weeks were, we were both very polite. We were very like, just careful of each other's space <laughs> and our volume. We were sharing an office, um, okay. you know, and Steve, like, cause he needed, he was like trying to learn, you know, for me. Um, and I'm not the best trainer uh, and my, uh, my thought process tends to be more creative and kind of head in the clouds than a to B to C to D. And Steve is the exact opposite. He's very systematic. And so again, we were very polite and he, you know, he told me, he's like, Nicole, I've, I've gained so much respect working in the same office as you, because, you know, he's like, God, you have a to-do list, but then, you know, you get this call and there's like sexual harassment claim or someone has illicit stuff on their computer or, um, you know, someone needs to get terminated or what, like, you just can't, you know, in, in, when you're dealing in a service industry, managing people, um, your to-do list is a cute idea, but it's, it's just not super functional. So, you know, he, to hear him say that he respected what I was doing and, and the distractions was a really like, it was like a great thing. Um, and then we got a little more comfortable, you know, Steve closed three big deals within the first 17 days with the company. And that was great. I threw him a surprise party, which was you know, kind of weird, but I was like, well, what would I do for it? <laughs> um, but what we've found now, and we're what, we're 30, we're 45 days in, it's February 15th. Um, we spend a lot of time together. We're all day, every day. You know, it's it's from the morning of us making our, you know, breakfast or our morning shakes or coffee or whatever. Um, I'm now working in my office upstairs. Steve is in his office downstairs, which that's a nice separation, but, you know, we're still working on the same things and talking to each other all day. So, um, then after work, you know, what tends to happen is we, we talk about more work and, um, mm. it's, it's been, so we're, we're, we're finding this like new rhythm, um, of how this looks and how this works and really just respecting like each other's need. And this is easier said than done, by the way, this is not like, <laughs> this is not put in the mastered column yet, but you know, Steve is a lot less social than I am. And, you know, so he's like, shit, sometimes I just want to go lunch by myself. Me and I really hurt my feelings. Like, why don't we together? He's like, oh, we've been together for the last, like, 17 days. <laughs> like, I could go to lunch. Um, and, and I feel that, too. And we just feel it in different ways and, and at different times. And so it's just like, expecting, it's being very front of mind and respecting that, you know, hey, we need some from each other sometimes and we need time away from work um you know i just signed two huge clients i've, I've increased we were supporting 85 employees and now we're fixing support five so right now there's not really a boundary on working we're always working 
but if we were working on someone else was a startup just in this world it would be all hands on deck right now too i think it's a it's a day-by-day case situation and <clears throat> that's just where we are and he and i are strong communicators with one another some of the time um the rest of the time we try like everyone else and um well you know ask me again in a year (laughs) (laughs) no that's fair i I think that whole concept that you're talking about about being alone time like i i think it's like the social battery right like everybody's social battery kind of drains faster or slower than others it's kind of unique to each individual um and i'm i'm kind of like that in a way too where like i'll say you know i'm a anti-social extrovert like i won't go out of my way to go to like a club or a bar or a party or whatever to kind of be around people but like once i'm there i kind of seem to gravitate towards like being the center of attention or kind of like leading the conversations um because i do obviously like love talking to people and like getting their perspective on things and kind of picking people's brains just to see like how they think about the world um but i do get drained too where i'm just like man i don't want to do anything like i just want to sit in my room be on my computer play my games and like be left alone for like you know few hours so i would imagine yeah that kind of like separate and then with now you guys are working in this literally the same company where before is like you know like for instance for us like yeah we both work from home but we work at two different companies doing two different completely different things right and so there isn't a lot of like overlap like yeah i would imagine that like needing to have a separation between like okay like after you know six o'clock no more work talk like i can't we can't just do this every day all day all night loop that would be exhausting yeah it's hard. It's hard. Um, it, it's just, it's yeah, no, it's, I don't have anything other than other to say than it's hard. It's great. I, I love working with Steve. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not difficult. Sure. Absolutely. And I don't think that's necessarily, uh, you know, a bad thing. I, I think a lot of people tend to shy away from kind of like obstacles or things that are hard, um, in general. And it seems like even more so you know, I hate to say like nowadays, like kids don't even want to struggle, but like, it does kind of feel like that to some degree where, you know, there's a lot of people I, I've met in my life where, you know, they're not happy with where they're at or they're not happy with their current situation, but they're not willing to struggle a little bit to get to a better spot. Right. And it's just something I've never been able to personally like relate to. Um, because for me, it was like, anytime I was in a situation I didn't enjoy or, you know, a job I hated or whatever, I was always thinking about what was my next move to like get out or move up. And not just kind of be like, well, this is my shitty reality. So I guess I just have to like live in it. Um, I mean, and look what that's gotten you though. I mean, you're, right. you're being promoted. You're, you're doing, you're doing incredibly well at your job. Like, and and that's great. Like that's it. But I think that's pretty rare. You know, like, I think it's really easy mm-hmm. to get on the complacency bus and just be like, this is just what my life is. This is just how it's going to be. And um, yeah. kind of let life happen to you. And that's that's a bummer you know i i I, it's so weird for me though because it's like i've heard that time and time again but i just cannot like even begin to wrap my head around it like what do you mean like you're just doing the same thing like you know for the last five six years and and you hate it but like you're gonna still do it next year and the year after that and it's i've just never been able to understand that and i've and i had this conversation with hannah the other day about like you know work and stuff and and for a long time i really had you know i was like i want to make six figures before i'm 30. like that was my big career goal right and then you know i got there and then i was like okay i want to be an account manager before next year and then i got that and it's like now i want to be an ae in a year you know and a vp before 30 and 
And it just kind of feels like it'll never be enough. Like, I don't know if I ever will get to a point where I'm like, yeah, I can just chill right here and like, just be happy, like doing this one thing. Uh, do you feel like that at all too? Like, is there a point where you think like you'll take your foot off the gas and kind of just be the, you know, check in from time to time boss who makes sure everything's going okay and not really doing the hands-on day-to-day stuff anymore? Um, I'd like to think that I could be, um, but I, you know, Steve and I, the way that we both operate is it's, it's, you, you reach in, we've talked about this before, but like, you know, you reach a level that you think like is the goal. And then it's like, okay, well, what's next? Like the idea of complacent, like of being complacent or like being just okay. It doesn't make sense to me either. It seems really boring. Um, however, I have no judgment against anyone who's like, feels like they've made it, you know? And I mean, I think that like, you can, Absolutely. success is like defined in so many different ways. And, um, as I've learned more about myself and by doing things like culture index and, um, the Enneagram thing, and like, just really kind of on this journey to learn myself going, Hey, you know what? It, this drive that is deep inside, like that's a good, it's not, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's great. It can be intense. It can be, you know, sometimes that like need to to keep going can almost be debilitating, right? Because when you're like, this isn't moving fast enough or why hasn't change happened yet? Or how can mm-hmm. someone around me that I love be so complacent and be so okay with what's happening to them because I love them and I want them to do more or better? Um, it, it, You know, I think it's as much of a curse as it is like a really great thing. But for all of us, we just have to find our own our own deal. But yeah, no, to answer your question, like, you know, Steve sometimes says, he's like, yeah, like in 10 years, we'll sell this thing and you know, we'll go live on a beach. And as cool as that sounds, like it gives me this just like anxiety in the pit of my stomach of like, well, but then what, you know, like I want to sit on a yeah. beach, but I want to sit on a beach for like a couple weeks, <laughs> you know, maybe, <laughs> not, but like, but then what's next, you know? And I, and I think that that's what you find in like in entrepreneurial minded people is it's like, what's the next problem to solve? What's the next mountain to climb? Like, you you can't you just can't stop you know it's it's one of those things and i think we're given such a finite time on this this beautiful earth um that to me it makes the most sense to be to be proactive and to be motivated and to to make a difference um and i don't know what that is or why that is it just it that just is what it is for me yeah no i think you've hit the nail perfectly on the head of like my pretty much lived life experience at this point like <laughs> to a t like i remember when i first got um you know the my first tech sales job and i was like at like six months they said was the earliest that you could be you know hired out or promoted um after i'd won my my biggest game and academy cohort competition thing and you know at like six months in a day i was like what the hell like where's my promotion where's my you know offer letter like i'm i'm ready to move on now let's go or like even in like serving like i wanted to be a trainer you know within like a few months and it's like it's always been this like thing of it's never moving fast enough for me or you know even now like i got into this role literally today and then i'm like okay so what how long do you think until like i can get into the next role above this one like yeah. what's the timetable look like for that and so well, i've told people no go ahead well, like, and what's the plan to get there, right? Like, right, like exactly. lay out the plan so mm-hmm. that I can do the things to get there because sitting there and trying to figure it, like, obviously the company that you work for is very process driven and it's very like, you know, they want you guys to move up and sell, sell more of the things like, but like to, yeah, on day one, it's like, how do I win? Like, what's yeah. the next step? Absolutely. Um, 
And I think that when we're managing people, and that's a really good point, I, I need to put that in our notes because like, and there are, some, and, and I think it's recognizing like some people don't want to go win everything they do. You know, that some people want to go sit in their job, do what they need to do, leave, go pick their kids up from school and go to soccer practice. That's fine. Steve and I chose not to have kids because to me, that sounds awful. Like <laughs> I want to keep pushing the ball forward and like, however it is like, move up, move up, move up, do your thing. Like that's it. it and then giving someone the, the how, you know, they have the why, like they've got the why it's just giving them how to get to that win is I think critical when, when you're dealing with someone like, like yourself, who, who is very driven because you wouldn't stay at a company that wasn't giving you a path to success or in, in your, in your definition of success, right. Or Correct. how do I, win? how do I, how do I get there? And then, and then like, what's next? Yeah. And that's something that like, I love the most about the company I was with before this is that they kind of did a really good job of weeding out everybody to the point where it was just individuals like that. And that like competitive nature of being there and like kind of always trying to be like the best of the best who have been selected to like, you know, be part of this team was really, I, I loved it. I love the competitive aspect of it. And I, you know, and I tell people too, like, I don't think I'm ever going to retire because of like kind of that whole thing of like, well, what's next? Like what's always going to be the next thing to do. And, you know, I found personally for me, like with too much free time, like I get really depressed, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like if there's not something for me to be like working on or working towards, I I really don't, I'm not in a good mental space. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, it's like, yeah, like I don't, retirement's never been like a goal for me. That's not what I see as like the end point or like happiness. That's just like, not, I don't know, not in my purview. Like I, you know, ideally I'd be, you know, doing politics in some form or fashion until the day I died. So yeah. that's yeah. kind of where I, I'm headed towards, but I did want to go jump to the the kid power. Cause that's something that I think is super fascinating, especially now with like, there's a real big discussion, right. Since like the abortion overturn. And now there's even rumblings of potentially a ban of, you know, um, contraceptives in general being issued uh, or at least brought to the floor by the Republicans. Ew. I know. I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, very appropriate response, but you know, how, is that decision how has that impacted you like do you think like are there i guess i'm curious from like the woman point of view like as your friends and people around you are kind of having kids and they're growing up and stuff do you get like a lot of like oh like where when like what are you doing why aren't you having kids because i feel like that is like the tradition right or like the norm is to like be married have kids do the kid thing watch them grow up raise them all that whole jazz but you've really been kind of changed your mind on it I don't really, yeah, I've never, like, I don't know, just, like, like I mean, I'll take it back a step, like, when we were planning our wedding, like, I never was the the girl who was, like, oh, my gosh, I'm gonna have the most princess-like wedding, like, I didn't, like, have my wedding <laughs> sure. planned before I met, you know, my husband, and, um, and the same thing, like, I never was, like, oh, I want to be a mom, I want to raise kids, you know, quite frankly, like, we were out to dinner last night, and uh, there were just kids screaming, and Steve and I were both, like, can we please get out of here, like, I just don't, I, I, you know, we joke that we're our own kids. Like (laughs) we, you know, I, I like the freedom. I I've never had this just like itching need to have a child. Um, and I really, you know, I'm, I'm 35, so I don't really like, not anymore. I don't get the, when are y'all going to have kids or when, when are you going to do that anymore? I mean, I think that by now, like people just kind of know, um, and, and I never was offended by that. I don't really care. I think that, um, I just thought it was fascinating that people cared, but I didn't. I'd be like, no, we're just not, you know, we're not doing the kid thing or whatever. And um, we have a lot of friends that have kids and those kids are cool for like 
15 or 20 minutes and then <laughs> like and then we're like we'll, we'll leave sometimes you know people's houses that have a lot of kids or whatever and and no no disrespect at all just that's the way that we've chosen to live our lives we'll just be like oh thank god <laughs> you know we don't we don't have these we don't have kids and um we have we have dogs it's it's fine i don't know that i don't know how people start businesses and have children i really i really don't because um it's just it's a compartmentalized way of living that i it just seems really hard and really stressful. Yeah. Or like even like having kids and going like back to school. Like I have some friends who are doing that and I'm like, that's insane to me. Like I could not imagine doing college with a baby. Like, no, no, I can't imagine. Um, But yeah. So just to kind of like bring things to a close here, obviously, thank you so much for chatting with me, but I do have yeah, a couple fun. more questions. Sure. Um, Real simple in terms of like the outview or the outlook you have on the world. Uh, are you optimistic, pessimistic or neutral about where things are going? That's a loaded question, Kyle. It's not loaded. There's no wrong answers. <laughs> um, Everyone know, said pretty, something different. So I'm pretty neutral. I don't know. See, that's a first. Really? Yes. Shabow. Look at you. Yeah, Why neutral? neutral? I don't know. I, you know, I, I think that like, I know that my, my view and my outlook is probably positive, but I don't know enough about everything that's going on in the world right now. It's to, to, to have like a firm opinion on it. Like I don't keep up with the news probably as much as I should. And I, I, and I'm such a, uh, I'm such an HR person. Like I see both sides (laughs) of a lot of things and I just, I don't know. I'm pretty neutral to it. I think that no matter what, like whatever happens, my, my life and my little, my little world has to, to keep moving forward. So that's, that's what I'm focused on. Fascinating. No. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. I like that. And then uh, if you could give any advice back to your, you know, young 20 year old self coming out of college, what, what, what advice would you give to somebody? I would say, oh, that's tricky. Um, what advice would I give? I would say party less, <laughs> um, invest in yourself more and take the failures in stride because they, they will not stop. Yeah, I, I think that last point's probably really, really important and doesn't get emphasized enough. The failures will happen and they'll continue yeah. to happen, but that's how you grow. Yep. So thank you again so much. I really, really appreciate your time today and, and getting to chat with me for a bit. Yeah, man, um, I enjoyed it. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll chat soon.